Well, hi everyone from Joplin, Missouri, and welcome to uh, GMPI's uh, another edition of Faith Greater Than Fear. We initiated these way back in March, and we have completed well over 50 of them now, where we talk to people, seasoned in leaders and those in emerging leadership positions, those inside vocational work inside of church and ministry, and those in the business world, those who are students, those who are out all kinds of people saying, how has this season affected you and your faith? And so we're really excited about the guests that we have on this program. And tonight and today, we have really a great, another uh, honored guest, and that's Lydia Florence, Lydia Proctor, some of you may know. Sorry if I'm gonna use that name a little bit for us down in the Joplin area. Welcome, Lydia. Thank you, I'm so honored to be here. So connected with the Proctor family, so connected here in Joplin with those our Christian College. Tell our audience a little bit about after graduation, what happened in your life, and fast forward to what's happening today. Yeah, gosh. So after I graduated from Ozark Christian College in 2018, I worked for Life Choices for a year in Joplin. And that year I got engaged um, and my husband was finishing his senior year at Ozark. We got married in January of 2019. Um, he graduated in May of 2019 from Ozark as well. And we were both really wanting to explore vocational ministry. That's what we felt called to. We were curious about church planting and really about like what our fit was in ministry. And so um, in late May, um, it was really a whirlwind. We interviewed for a residency position in Kansas City at a church plant called Restore Community Church. Um, and in a matter of like three weeks, we packed everything. We moved up here. We, we didn't know anybody here. Um, and we, we moved into, there was a family at the church who had, um, a detached garage with a little loft in it. That's like 300 square feet. It was like one room. And so we lived there for our whole first year here and we did a ministry residency. Um, and really that, that closed our, our residency closed this past May. And after that, um, we, it was a, it was a very interesting year. We, we got to learn a lot of things. We were under some really amazing leadership and learned a lot about, um, ministry in a different way that we'd seen it before. You know, it's different when you're really out doing it versus learning about it in the classroom. And, at the end of the year, we both felt like we had some clarity about what our next steps were. And I still felt really called into vocational ministry in the local church. And Tristan really felt called elsewhere, um, specifically into emergency services. And so he is currently back in school pursuing a career in that direction. And I work full time right now for Restore. Wow. So from Joplin of Kansas City, for those viewers who don't know, that's just kind of a two to three hour uh, trek northwards from us, but <clears throat> very big city, very different. Uh, as you said before the program, it doesn't maybe feel big cities because the city and all of the pandemic were under a lockdown kind of uh, scenario or very qualified with social distancing. Tell our viewers a little bit about what your role at Restore Church is right now, would you? Yeah. 
so right now, um, my role is kind of two parts. There's really sort of two lanes that I run in. Um, one is our small groups ministry, small groups and discipleship. So um, that really includes helping recruit and train small group leaders um, and equip them with material. Um, all throughout the year, we do lots of um, small group trainings. We do apprenticeship processes and we kind of have a system of leadership, um, kind of a care structure so that um, those of us who are on staff for the small groups position pour into every level of it, but each level of leadership also um, is pouring into those and training up more small group leaders and getting more people discipled, which is super cool. So I love that part. And then just um, a couple of months ago, I also started doing a role in communications, uh, which includes um, all of the stuff that we teach on Sundays, so our series and our sermons. Um, I, I don't teach myself or haven't yet, but I help plan all of that. And then I also, since the pandemic, have um, done a lot with our online services, having to go online. So really building an online church service kind of a campus online um, has been a big part of my role in communications. And I also um, run all of our social media accounts for all of our campuses as well. So in the pandemic, we're seeing the challenge to the building centric, sermon centric, kind of one preacher, teacher centric model that really is falling more and more into your role. How is small groups? People are saying, the pillars of the future post-pandemic are going to be those volunteers in our community who host the small groups. They're going to be our pillars. Would you agree? And if so, how are you building those pillars? Yes, I would agree. And I mean, I think I probably believed that before the pandemic too. I'm really uh, excited and passionate about small groups because I really think that that's where discipleship happens. I've seen it in my own life, in my own story, and again and again in small groups that I've led or been a part of. Um, especially when it comes to now, like the actual, the physical challenges we have of gathering in larger groups for like gathered Sunday morning services, small groups is where people are, are finding their way back to God. Um, and I think because there is such an increased emphasis on, um, your home really being kind of like the church, we've actually started doing a lot of house churches because we can't meet in person yet. Um, that transfers to small groups as well. And I've seen in restores culture, people become increasingly missional about it, where um, they're being more cognizant to invite their neighbors, to invite the people that are in the close kind of physical proximity with them. Um, because there's a lot of people who would be very willing to walk into my home or your house who might never walk through the doors of a church building. They would be way too uncomfortable to do that. And so I've really seen whether that's a small group model, you know, that follows a curriculum or whether it's just people that gather once a month for dinner or whether it's a group that gathers on a Sunday to watch the live stream of our service. These small groups that are all over Kansas City is really where discipleship is happening. And it's not just lowering the resistance. Like you said, they'd be more willing to go into your home or my home or one of the viewers' homes. But we're noticing both locally in the U.S. and then internationally that people who are seekers sincerely with spiritual questions 
feel more comfortable at kind of tipping their toe into worship services that are online that at any moment they could get out of if uncomfortable, but can continue to drink into the community, into the worship, into the rhythm of what happens in that. Um, so do you have any stories of in the pandemic time between either online, the numbers of growth or a story of some individual or in the small group that says, hey, not all is bad news right now with the pandemic. We've got some good news to share with you. Any stories there? I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, that's all right. Definitely. Um, yeah, with our online um, services specifically, if I'm being completely honest with you, Mike, I um, feel like the worst millennial of all time because I don't like technology. And I was very skeptical of online services at first. I just, I wanted to be past it. I wanted to be back in person, which is really ironic because it was really, it fell to me to do a lot of the leadership in our online space. And I, I felt a little disgruntled about that at first, but, um, over time, I started hearing stories and talking to people, um, stories of, of people who I actually, just this last Sunday, I got a text from um, a gentleman who has served in our online space before. And he told me that his daughter, who he's kind of had an estranged relationship with, um, who is not a Jesus follower, texted him this last Sunday. And she said that she watched our church's um, service online. And she said a lot of things about how she feels more comfortable to explore Christianity, to ask questions about Jesus. And she hadn't been to any kind of church service in 11 years. Um, and they don't live near each other, but because we have these services online, she was able to engage in a conversation with her dad. And um, that's been a building brick, not just in their personal relationship, but in her relationship with Jesus. And that's just like, that's just one tick. I mean, I, I've got a whole folder of stories like that. I could tell um, specifically from our online space. And then in a small group perspective, um, Tristan and I host a house church on Sunday nights where we invite people from our small group and just people around us to come and watch the church service in our house so we can keep a small group and somewhat distanced. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we had three people that came to our house church who have never been to a restore in-person service who aren't connected to a church anywhere else in Kansas City, but were totally willing to just come into apartment, our apartment and hang out with some other kind of young adults and eat chips and salsa and listen to a message about Jesus. And to be honest with you, I don't know if those are people that I would have thought of or had the courage to invite to our church service if we hadn't been kind of doing this in like our uh, house church in our own apartment and so god's doing all kinds of cool things despite some of the challenges data tells us to add to your cool story that 70 percent of all americans who are unchurched would go and say yes if they were invited either to your home for what you describe as a home service, church service, or even to a building, if they were just invited. One of the things we have to get more missional about is intentionally inviting people who aren't in our circles or who are in our circles. The other thing is that they much, 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 the same unchurched demographic says, don't tell me about your denomination. 
Don't tell me about the hierarchy and all that. If anything, they don't say this out, but they're going, just tell me about this Jesus, you know. Just, and so talk to us a little bit. Here it is. I love your name and your congregation. It's Restore. You talked about restoring uh, father and his daughter. And you talked about restoring potentially three on a journey that may get to know Jesus. Talk about Restore a little bit more uh, in that regards to your own personal passion of seeing people restored to Christ and how the local church that your name has implied in it is doing that too. Yeah. Um, so really a big reason why Tristan and I wanted to come to Restore, despite the fact that we didn't know anybody up here, was when we heard the mission and vision of this church, it was something that we wanted to be a part of. Um, the vision is to change the spiritual landscape of Kansas City, which is enormous, obviously. And I love it because it's a dream so big that it's not going to get done if God's not there. Um, God has to be a part of that. And it also um, requires a huge partnership. Something else I love about Restore is that we partner with churches um, literally all across the city from different denominations, different backgrounds to really further the Jesus mission and to see the spiritual landscape of this city changed. Um, that's a vision I love and wanted to be a part of. And then the mission is to help people find their way back to God, which seems really simple. And I guess it is simple, but it's also really profound. Um, and the idea that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation to restore people's relationships back with their creator, back with their maker, back with the one who loves them. Um, and so that's really something that we wanted to be a part of and something that um, it's not just talk for this church. It is, it is the heartbeat of restore is helping people find their way back to God. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big part of who restore is. Very cool. And you're a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Many who are listening here are followers of Jesus. But to your point, what I really have learned, and you would know my wife would say this too, that what we really want to begin to give the advantage to people who aren't maybe comfortable in being uh, identified that way is that we're going to say, you know, you're a pre-follower. We, we, we are going to assume there's going to be a desire for a restored relationship, right? And that's what Jesus wants. He's assuming you've already been made in the image of him, whether you like it or not. You just haven't discovered your father and you've been estranged. So we want to do as a pre-follower that restoration. Talk a little bit, uh, time is going so quickly here, but talk a little bit about the social media post and a t-shirt. Let's go from yeah. the big Kansas City thing that Lydia loves down to something that gets very, very personal here. Yeah. Tell our audience a little bit about that. Um, so part of how we've been doing ministry in the pandemic is that our church will post these little daily reflection videos on social media. And so once in a while, I get to do one of those. And it's really just a chance to talk about whatever's on our heart. Um, and not too long ago, I say that it was probably like eight or nine months ago. I, <laughs> I bought a t-shirt at a thrift store that was like 25 cents, 50 cents. And it says, know your worth. And so I wore this shirt in my daily reflection video. And I, I really talked about the idea of knowing our worth, that it does not come from anything we do. It doesn't come from anything we achieve. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. Um, we are simply worthy because God says so, and we matter to God. Um, and that's been, that's been something that, 
um, is kind of a constant learning for me um, personally. And I know um, that for other people, especially in the time of the pandemic and just, just unrest, just a lot of chaos in our world. Um, and specifically also in the social media realm, sometimes, um, you know, we try to find our worth by the things we can control or we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. And that felt like a message that was good for me to reiterate to myself and good for me to share with others, specifically young people who I know struggle with that. And, and, and we're going to start landing the plane of our interview, but on this young people, probably more so the two demographics that I've been told recently in reading are the very young and the very old that COVID has really caused some real discouragement. And, and I don't like to use the word, but depression actually in them. Uh, speak to that a little bit from, from one who's younger. Why is that happening? And how are you as a person of faith addressing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that too, Mike. I think with the, the older folks, a lot of it is because physically they're the higher at-risk congregation, and so they tend to be more separated. So that's why it's so difficult. For the younger people, I think it's because they're experiencing um, a different kind of trauma, I would even say, in that everything in their world that seemed stable and knowable and reliable, like going back to school every fall, that was something I could always count on. I never thought twice about. Um, that's something that's completely different. And also because that younger generation tends to be very active on social media. And I really have a love-hate relationship with social media where I love the influence for, um, gospel truth and encouragement and good news it can be. I also know it can be a toxic wasteland dumpster fire um, where people tend to compare themselves. They buy into a lot of lies. Um, and so I guess between these two generations or two sets of people that have a really um, difficult time here in this pandemic, that message of you matter to God, you are seen by God, your, your life matters, um, is something that I don't think we can say too much. I think people's mental health is definitely taking a toll. Um, you know, sadly things like suicide rates and depression and just general mental health problems are up in both of those groups. And so to reiterate this truth, um, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. You are worthy and you are whole because he says so is just truth that it's never a bad thing to say. And so in finishing up, I'm hearing one thing is, Hey, friends, followers tell people with this, you are loved, you are noticed, you are valuable, you are very much uh, someone who is just very rich, if you just really would understand it and accept it. As we kind of finish up, you and Tristan being the hands and feet, two very different lifestyles, it's a young millennial couple up in the big city of Kansas City there. What would you give in, and you said a love-hate relationship with social media, as the, our program says, as we finish it here about faith, what are you doing to make your faith strong in this pandemic? And what would you want our audience to know? Um, I think the big thing that I just reiterate to myself over and over in my mind is that God is sovereign. Um, 
in the, in, I think it's Daniel chapter three, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to have to go into the fiery furnace. And they say with such faith, um, our God can save us and he will save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to this other thing. We're not going to do whatever it else you is, whatever it is that you want us to do, because we trust the goodness, the power, the strength, the sovereignty of our God. And that is what I'm clinging to, that God's got this. God is sovereign, whether it is whatever struggle it is, because we're all facing crises in the time of the pandemic and in financial struggle and in the racial unrest and all of these things. God's got this. He is sovereign and um, I can let go. I can stop trying to white knuckle everything because God's got this. He, he will save us. He will find the way he's going to lead us through it. And, um, and I trust that that's, that's the only thing that's worth having faith in. Good words, Lydia Florence, and thank you and greetings to your wonderful husband and to all of you listening today. We want to thank you for giving us some of your valuable time to hopefully enjoy and be encouraged by what Lydia is sharing and some of her journey, some of what the good stories are there in Kansas City. I know she'd appreciate prayers for their their own family for the ministry there through the Restore Congregation and so much more. So if you enjoyed what was happening here, do share it on this love-hate relationship with social media, but do share it. And uh, we do have a podcast that uh, is available to you as well. So from ourselves here at GMPI in Joplin, Missouri, uh, Lydia there in Kansas City, we want to thank you and bless you until the next episode of Faith. Greater than Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.